endowed with beauty inside out. Eloquence and elegance seem to have made this temple to your dwelling. One would think her head must be in the clouds, but no, she has learned humility from Abba in a warfare. One would think this beauty would shy away. De lo contrario, she has the roar of a lion. And just when healing and a still small voice is needed, her voice is like a double-edged sword. The other side sounds like cool water, given to a nomad who has transversed the desert many days. I could go on and on, but for the want of time, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you one of God's examples and finest models, Joy Uyo Adejo. My name is Joy Uyo Adejo. I'm a music minister, an author, a public speaker. I'm very passionate about um, community development and human development. It brings me great joy and utmost satisfaction and fulfillment to see people become um, greater than they perceive themselves to be and just manifest all that potential on their inside. Um, it brings me great joy and delight to see people become far more than they have imagined themselves to be. And and same goes for communities, you know. I hail from Kogi State. From my name, that should give a clue. I'm Igala by tribe. I'm the only daughter of Reverend Dr. Joe Adejo and Pastor Comfort Adejo. Um, I'm the only daughter. I've got four siblings who are all male, great men, mighty men of valor. <laughs> Um, yeah, what else about me? Uh, I studied mass communication from U Bingham University here in Nigeria. I've had vast experience in various sectors, the natural resources sector, um, delved a bit into the political sector, um, worked with a few politicians. Um, However, I've stayed true to communication um, and the media as a whole. I was an on-air personality for several years, managed a South African magazine company for a while. I jumped into the NGO sector, which is my heartbeat, basically, because like I said, I love community development. So um, I was a lot quality assurance surveyor. Um, for a while with World Health Organization. I feel that there's so much to say career-wise, but this is not me trying to put out my CV there. So long story short, I'm a minister of the gospel and I minister in diverse forms through music, through speaking, through writing. I'm a communications professional who is passionate about community, human, and social development. Oh, did I say I'm very passionate about Nigeria? <laughs> I never hesitate to say I'm very passionate about Nigeria. I am proudly Nigerian. And I'm the humble CEO of Jazz House and the convener of Jazz Experience. There's so much more that would unfold as time goes on, but this basically is a summary our childhood forms the very mold in which we are formed. 
some of the memories, some of the cultures, some of the values we hold there were instilled in us since childhood. Yes, some of us are musical now because we had extremely wonderfully musical childhood. So I asked her, I was like, Mama, tell us, how is it growing up like? And here's what she said. Growing up was a mix. Growing up as a pastor's kid had its angle. Growing up as an only daughter, an only girl child had its angle. Growing up in a densely Muslim populated community had its, you know, side of the story. Growing up in church <laughs> had its angle. However, all the experiences I had were instrumental to the growth of my faith because they were all experiences that tested me. They were trials. They were um, propelling factors to me becoming all that I am today. Growing up as an only girl child was difficult because the examples I had around me were men. So I'm internalizing behaviors and character and habits of the people who are around me. And they were all men, you know, all boys. So I grew up naturally a tomboy because the men around me were men. <laughs> the boys around me were boys. So I was inclined to loving soccer. I was inclined to loving um, basketball. Um, I was inclined to loving wearing shorts and trousers and just jumping up and down and not being girly. So I grew up literally like a guy, like a boy. <laughs> um, I didn't have many female friends. I didn't it also fit in because I kind of had this uh, eye condition that made my eyeballs shake. Um, and it's called instagmus. And that was uh, something that really traumatized me as a kid because, you know, I had bullies and people just mocking me. <laughs> However, I became my own person through just having to be by myself and facing rejection. Um, I experienced a lot of rejection. And because society says you can't do things like a boy, you can't do things like this, you can't do things like that. But that was the environment I was given. I didn't have girls to be with to braid a doll's hair or, you know, do what girls do. So it was difficult because I needed to fit into what society wanted me to fit into. Yet I had an environment that was not conducive for me to be what society expected me to be. So it was difficult, but it was interesting because in facing rejection in that light, um, having the boys say, go away, you're a girl, and me not being able to fit in with girls <laughs> um, because I'm so used to being like a boy, it drew me closer to myself 
And in that journey to becoming my own person or enjoying my own company, I met God, which is a beautiful story. It, it was from a very young age. Um, people say that is Ajebo kids that have imaginary friends, but that's how God came to me as a kid from age age five, six, six, from age six, God became my imaginary friend. Um, before we go to bed every night, my mom used to read us a book about God's creation. And it talked about God creating the heavens and the earth and all whatnot. And I was really excited about the rainbow story. <laughs> um, but... More importantly, what I got from those stories and what my mom projected to me was that God is near and we can always talk to him. You know, so I felt like, oh, such a peaceful time every night before I go to bed while my mom reads me these Bible stories. How about when nobody wants to talk to me, when nobody wants me to play with them because I'm not their kind? How about I talk to this one? who I feel peace with at night. Why don't I talk to him all through the day? And so I found a spot. Actually, it was a wardrobe in my room then. As a kid, I just go into it and close the door and begin to talk to God. And to be honest, I would say he spoke through my mind because there were responses. And that was how... <laughs> growing up was in that regard however um there were so many other angles to it growing up as a pastor's kid was difficult to oof, because everybody wants to share your parent with you everybody expects you to be perfect they don't make allowances for mistakes um if you came to church without a bible for any reason you were the scapegoat and they would make such a big deal out of it. You know, meanwhile, every other person could come without a Bible and it was okay, you know, which isn't. Um, there were lots of double standards that, you know, I had to deal with um, from people. Oh, there's so many things. But growing up was very interesting because I was let to a large extent have a wild imagination my imagination was very wild not wild in a negative way it was wild in it being limitless so from age six seven i started writing stories for movies for myself of course i never got anywhere <laughs> but i i was i was very vast in my mind and my imagination the things i could become I started having ideas of what I wanted to be, how much good I wanted to give to society. Um, you know, I wanted strongly to become Nigeria's first female president. Um, I loved watching TV. I learned a lot. I sat a lot in front of the TV, a lot. I learned so much. I developed my accent from the TV. Because <laughs> a lot of people think that, oh yes, I traveled a bit. I lived abroad for a while, but... Trust me, I didn't get my accent from the period I stayed abroad. It, it was right from when I was a kid. I had movies, children movies, 
children's songs and they were all foreign. So I was learning to talk like what I was watching <laughs> and that's how I got it. So right from being a kid, it just came on naturally. Um, I also went to a white-based school, so nursery school. So I it just accentuated everything. So I was exposed to a world of creativity as a kid, thanks to my mom, <laughs> and participated in a lot of creative activities in church, in our community. Yes, um, we had house fellowship and, you know, we had dances. We used to go to ABG and MG and DITV. Then those who lived in Kaduna would be conversant with these names. So I grew up being a creative kid, um, did a number of adventurous things, acting drama, gathering kids together to act drama and just telling them what to be. And while I direct the whole movie, <laughs> um, teaching imaginary kids, of course. I don't think there was any kid who didn't do that. And flogging the wall, thinking you're flogging students. I had a very, I had a fun time. Most of it was spent alone. Um, but it was a formative time to, to build the person that God was making and is making out of me. Childhood was very interesting. It had various sides to it. But I'm going to stop here because I've kind of said a lot. I don't think I'll be able to exhaust all the dimensions that there was to growing up. But one that I would say before I um, wrap up this answer is I was exposed to a lot of Christian materials. So I would have days when my mom and my dad are out of the house and I would play a Benny Hinn of VHS, then we had VHS and cassettes, um, and I would play that and be soaked in the spirit. I literally started speaking in tongues from listening to a sermon. I can't really tell because I was little. I can't really tell who was preaching, um, but someone was preaching and there was such a surge of the power of God. I was seven years old. There was such a surge of the power of God, and I began to speak in tongues um, I fell to the ground. I was lost in the spirit. And so I, I, I was exposed to a lot of Christian materials as a kid, also because I was a very inquisitive one. I wanted to read. I wanted to watch stuff. I wanted to. So um, my alone time was spent doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of exposing myself to God, because that was the material that was around me. So, yeah, it was a it was a beautiful time growing up it had various sides but ultimately it has formed the woman that i am <laughs> we've always had this notion that pastor's children always turn out to be the bad eggs pause think okay put yourself in their shoes what they have to go through for you the congregation what they have to share, what they have to sacrifice, how they have to leave. Okay, I think you have an idea. Let's listen to Joy's experience. Mm -hmm. 
Being a pastor's kid was interesting. It was difficult. I must say it was very difficult because there were so many expectations that were unrealistic. Um, they were so many challenges being a pastor's kid growing up with how people judge you without understanding. Also, I grew up in a time where kids didn't have a say. You know, it's amazing to see how people dialogue with their children now, which I'm very much okay with. Um, however, do not spare the rod when it is time to spare, when, it, when it's time to um, deliver discipline through the rod. Uh, it's time for everything. <laughs> but um, I grew up in a time where you didn't have a say. Whatever people say you are is what they say you are. And you must say, yes, ma, and take it in, you know. So I, I, I did not like church. I, I was hoping that there would become a time where churches would go on break just as schools went on break. I did not like the church. I did not like the church people. The only thing I liked about church was praise worship because it was going to be time to dance. I love to dance. <laughs> I've always loved to dance. <laughs> that was the fun time in church as a kid. Um, every other thing did not make sense to me. Um, but I had to learn that there is a responsibility as a pastor's kid to be an example to other children. And that is something that I eventually had to learn, even though I wasn't exactly taught that in the most gentle way um, for me to understand. I had to grow up to understand that there were other kids who would do things just because I did it. Um, there were other kids who become better if I became better. So, but I mean, I spent many years of going to church, throwing my shoes somewhere and not knowing where it is and just being rough and just, you know, not paying attention in church and not, I was being a kid. <laughs> um, then I grew up to a point where, you know, I took responsibility and began to um, stand as a pastor's kid and become a re more responsible and be an example spiritually to others. And then there came the time where people started to say, she's trying to become a pastor, she's trying to take over from her father, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, so there, there are lots of negative experiences, you know, um, based on people's expectations and how people just want you to turn left or right. But being a pastor's kid, even though came with its um, troubles and challenges, being a pastor's kid helped me discover my leadership abilities. And I'm very grateful for that. I also learned interpersonal skills because you have to deal with people, whether you like it or not. <laughs> As a pastor's kid, you have to deal with people. Even if you're not dealing with them personally, you have to deal with them because your parents are dealing with them. So it did help me grow in various aspects of my life. Personally, I'm, I'm a lover of my space. I'm largely an introvert <laughs> and necessarily an extrovert because of ministry, but... God has helped me through process of being a pastor's kid to develop the right skills to be efficient in life and in ministry. So being a pastor's kid has been a blessing. However, 
People tend to assume that just because you're a pastor's kid, you naturally have the Holy Ghost. No. Um, like I said, I had my experiences growing up and just being exposed to these Christian materials. I learned about God, but then I needed to learn him for myself. I learned about God from watching my parents, but you cannot be born again by association. <laughs> you have to be born again for yourself. You have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. So, I mean, I had several times where I came to say Jesus come into my life. I mean, I did it a thousand times. Every time I felt I was unworthy and remorse, I give my life to Christ. But I got to encounter God for myself um, at various points in my life that helped me graduate to, and I would say graduate because it was from one level of knowledge and revelation of Jesus to the next level of knowledge and revelation of Jesus. So I had to learn God for myself. He used experiences and my heart cry also, knowing that I have very deep love for humans and seeing things become better community-wise, church-wise, and so on and so forth. He reached out through that passion in my heart to help me become um, closer to him because that's God's desire. He loves the earth and he loves the people he has created. And so he's like, oh, look at my daughter. She, she, She's finally falling into alignment with my grand plan and desire and purpose. And so he began to also help me grow in the knowledge of his heart desire. And he began to link me up with people of like minds and passion and create a desire in me for the study of his word. And as I beheld his word, I became, I'm still beholding his word and I'm still becoming and growing to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. So it's a continuous process. You don't, you don't become born again and sanctified and spirit filled just because your father and your mother is a pastor. No, you have to know God for yourself. And that's something that um, also the society needs to know because they keep saying things like, and you're a pastor's child, you, it doesn't jump on someone. You don't, you don't, I mean, the child of a president doesn't become a president automatically. The child of a president, if desirous to become a president, would have to go through the process the father went through to become. So, um, however, <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> yes okay a lot of people have asked this question why it took a while for me to release songs and why the large um gap in between them um first thing that people need to realize is that we are sent i am sent um i'm not one of those people who called myself God called me and gave me an assignment and he determines where I go, how I go, what I do, how I do what I do. So, um, 
was I receiving songs all through the period? Yes. But I did not have um, concrete instruction and backing to move, to release songs. I wanted to do songs. I, I, um, I had tried to get albums out. I had tried seven times to get an album out. I remember recording 20 songs. Um, this this was um, in 2001, 2002. I recorded 20 songs and, you know, was trying to put together an album in 2002. That was the first time I was attempting to have an album. And, you know, we weren't very knowledgeable about backup, saving um, a backup copy and you know something after we were done completely done you know moving to the final stage of mastering we lost all the files completely yes that is something God can do he'll just be quiet he'll allow you to be doing what you want to do <laughs> because he's not in it he will just and <laughs> please let's go back so um i mean i've had several experiences like that and um just waiting for <laughs> waiting for the right time and the right instruction if it, if it, if it were to depend on my effort i did try but all the songs that were released at the various times were released because God gave a direct instruction, do this. And so in 2013, God gave me home. Um, home was home was a product of feeling lonely. <laughs> I had gotten into university and I I had lived like a mediocre person for a long time. I had believed the lie that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. And of course, I compared myself with people around me. I compared myself with my brothers. People come. I didn't even need to compare myself before people around me did, you know? So there was this competition all the time, trying to be better than somebody, trying to... And if you're in the Nigerian setting, trust me, when you come home with your report card, there is a stable question that is asked. Did anybody take first? Do they have two heads? <laughs> so, um, yeah... I got into uni and I had an expectation and the expectation was to come up a four pointer at first. My first semester result was 3.65 and for me, I didn't hit four, so it wasn't good enough. But um, Satan used it to really um, keep me in a state of distraught and pain and anger and frustration and anger a lot of anger 
because I felt I tried, I read, I deserve to be a four pointer at this point. So why? I'm not going to let the, the same thing that happened to me in secondary school happen to me again because I mean, I'm not going to be the good kid and end up with the bad result. No. I'm not good. So I was really pissed. I was pissed at God. I was pissed at everything. I was pissed at the system. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not making any more efforts. People cannot just be lazy and having results. And I'm working so hard and not getting as much as I should. (laughs) I didn't realize how much of an idol that was um, for me to rely on my strength, to rely on my knowledge, you know. And um, so... That was first semester. Second semester, it really did affect me. Guess what? I went lower. I went to like 3.57 or something like that. And then 200 level, sorry. So 100 100 level was 2010. You know, that kept going on till I couldn't recover um, till 2013, imagine it was it was that bad i couldn't recover for three years and it was time for exam again it was my first semester exam in 300 level and i remember being so depressed i couldn't read because every time i pick up my book i just begin to cry you know and i felt alone i felt unloved i felt I felt unloved, unseen. And so one of these days I was, you know, trying to read for the exams. Again, the same thing was happening where I opened my book and I began to cry. And I just, I opened my mouth and I began to sing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of of the Spirit of God be with us now and forever. And then it just kept coming. I'm home with you. No better place I'd rather be. I'm home with you. You know, and after singing that, I prayed. To be honest, I did not read for that exam. I did not read. I could not read because, you know, I kept trying to put in effort so that, you know, the next semester, the result is better than the previous one. And I kept going lower and lower and lower. After this one, um, we didn't get our results till we got back after second semester um, because it was 300 level first semester exams. We didn't get to see it until the end of second semester, which was our IT SIWAS period. So I got back and realized I got 4.09 you know, as my GP. And of course, in 400 level, I hit 4.40. And, you know, but the testimony was, I tried to use my strength. And when I was done, and I couldn't, God needed me to understand that he is my resting place. And I'm home with him. If I tried to find my home outside him, it would be constant failure. You know, And (laughs) so that's how that song came and he needed me to release it. So I released it in um, 2010. It was CK who produced it 
at the time. And um, according to him, it really touched him and we needed to release the song. So, in fact, I was dragging my feet. He had to take a recording of the ministration of that song and produce the song. And then call me up and say, you know what? I already did the production. I listened to everything. Is there anything you want to change about it? Let me know. And that was how we recorded Home and released it in 2013. There's only one rest in place. Have you figured out that when you've been in a time of pain, times when you have to ask God questions, why would you let this happen? Why would you let me go through this pain? After you have lamented, you still figure out that the shoulder of a brother, the shoulder of a sister is not comfortable enough to cushion your pain. It's not comfortable enough to be a succor. It's not enough to take away that void. And so even when you feel that pain, you still have to run back to God. He's the true resting place. He's the true resting place. After that, I didn't release any song till um, 2018. It was 2019, pardon me. 2019. That year, look, this is going to be pretty long. (laughs) That year, God had given me an instruction and he said, Do not sing from January to December. I need you to sit, pray, study, sit with me, learn of me. There's so much I want to show you, but I mean, I I had to ask God, (laughs) sir, there's a lot of work to be done. You can't tell me to sit and pray and study and not sing. What? What is my use? Am I a potato? (laughs) No. But um, that was the instruction. Well, I, I'm not happy to let you know that I disobeyed. And it cost me a lot. It, I suffered. I was stroked in, 2000, in 2019. I lost everything I was trying to do outside the instruction of God. Cost me so much that year. That year, tw- tw- 2019 was literally undoubtedly the worst year of my life. I experienced so much physical, emotional, mental pain. I have I have no words to quantify or qualify the pain I felt as a result of disobedience actually, you know. Um but God had mercy on me and gave me power and used Nick Ames to reach out to me. And God had said he wanted me to do that song because because of how disobedient I became, I was tormented with the spirit of fear. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of the future. I was afraid of the night. 
I was afraid of the day. I was afraid of everything. I literally was kind of encapsulated in the spirit of fear. And it was bad. It was really bad. So I started asking God for help. I started pleading and crying physically and crying to God in prayer. And one day he said, Joy, enough. You are afraid of so many things. Even your act of disobedience is an act of fear. You're afraid that if you do not sing for a year, you go out of relevance. Meanwhile, this was like towards the end of the year. And I hardly, I hardly got invitations, you know, that year. It was, there were very few invitations, but I was willing to still disobey God so that, you know, I'm all up in their faces. (laughs) God had to teach me very important lessons that year. It was, it was, it was a year of lessons. Um, trust me, lessons are not necessarily, um, palatable and, God used Nick Ames to, who's a producer and a sound engineer to reach out to me. And he said, God wants me to do this. He wants me to record a song for you. So produce a song for you. So please reach out as soon as you can. And he said is power. He gave me the song. Yes. While I was crying and asking for, you know, peace and deliverance from the spirit of fear and i remember that day he um woke me up it was in the night and he woke me up and told me joy i have given you power over every power you know and he took me to his word and showed me various places where the powers of darkness have been sub- subjected, you know, have been disarmed. Satan has been disarmed. And all your wrongs have been nailed to the cross and paid for and deleted. And no one can come and speak. Every ordinance that has been spoken against you has no power. It has been deleted, has been removed. So Satan has absolutely no power to accuse you. He has no power to keep you bound. He has no power to threaten you because he has been disarmed. His weapon has been taken away from him. His authority has been taken away from him. And once God opened my eyes to see that, look, God is all powerful. And he has given me power over every power to to dominate in his name, by his blood, through his spirit, then it, it was a deliverance for me. And it was through the word of God. And, and this was what he needed me to understand, that there's liberation through my word. There's liberation through fellowshipping with me. There, there's so much to learn. There's so much to know. You can only overcome um, this world and overcome generally by faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And that's what he needed me to understand that the next dimension of oppression that he would need me to walk in can only be founded on a good foundation of the word of God. You know, I wanted a triumphant, I wanted a triumphant life, but I didn't know how to triumph, you know? And so he needed to teach me that, but I was being stubborn. 
I wanted to be my own leader. I wanted to, I felt God didn't know how important it was for his name to be projected. Meanwhile, God is not so interested in the messenger and the message as much as he's interested in the messenger and the soul and the becoming of the messenger. Because he wants us to grow to a point where the messenger becomes the message. So we're so focused on God gave me a song to sing. God gave me a word to give. God gave me words to write through books and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, God is like, I want to make you. I want you to behold me so that you can become me. Because I, Jesus, I'm the message. And that is because I am what I say. So I need you to stay with me, Joy. I need you to stay with me, minister of God, so that you can behold me and become me and become the message. And so God needed to take me through that process. And um, that's how he gave me power. In fact, after power came in and I recorded the song, I had just been delivered from months and months of being unable to sing it was part of the punishment and i was aware it's really a long story and this <laughs> i need to move to the next question if not this would be so long but um i recorded the song and we weren't done mastering and mixing properly and god said release it in two days he woke me up 3 a.m in the morning and said, Joy, power needs to be released. I need it out in two days. <laughs> I was just like, no, sir. It's been a while since the song was released. I cannot release this song like this. It has got to sound perfect. It has got to this. It, and he says, release it and goes quiet. So I reach out to the producer, Nick Ames, and I tell him God wants it out in, in two days. What I mean is, I'm telling you now, We've got one day to put out the art and the next day to post it. So I don't know what you're going to do. Begin to mix and master now because this song goes out in two days. Um, of course, through all the painful experiences, I had to learn to become obedient. Um, and so we released the song. <laughs> and a huge testimony came out of it. So after we released the song, I cried, I cried so much because I was just like, this is not me. I take time to, to, you know, make what I want to put out perfect, as good as perfect. You know, I'm so concerned about my image. <laughs> I mean, so like, God, why would you let me do this? And of course, God was teaching me the important things about his work and about being the message and how it is not about me but about him and when he and what he wants to do through me you know and so we leave the song and for the first time ever it was it's like the first time i won't say the last time because i mean i'm still alive but it's the first time and only time i have ever done a broadcast after releasing a song or a message broadcast to people and I was led to do a broadcast to all my contacts. Um, and I did a broadcast saying I had released a song and I attached the link to it and everything. I received a testimony after one week from this man who I had met once. 
who had um, reached out to me and he needed prayer and also needed encouragement um, and wanted to ask me questions about being a music minister. So I had met him once. And I think um, at the time he heard of me through, of course, me being a minister, but also listened to me on radio because at the time I was a radio presenter in Kaduna. So he came to the radio station and, you know, we had conversations. It was just once we saw and all that. And I felt the need to follow up, even though it wasn't consistent. However, this young man received my broadcast message. Unknowing to me, he had written a suicide note, left it at home, took um, some uh, poison. I, I can't remember exactly which he took, but he took with him poison and was headed to a mountain somewhere in Guningura, according to him, and was going to kill himself. He had already left the suicide note, so he was just going up the mountain to, you know, kill himself and died there um, instead of dying at home and traumatizing his family. Um, he said that on his way there, he took his phone as he was going. He doesn't know why, but he received the message opened it and realized Joya Day just sent a message that she just released the song. And <laughs> that instance, the moment he received the broadcast was when he was on his way to commit suicide. He had left home. He had dropped his suicide note. And he said he decided to hit the link and just listen to it before he dies, before he kills himself. And it started. There are mountains. These were the words of the song. There are mountains, but there's the mountain mover. There are diseases, but there's the bombing killer. There are shackles, but there's the yoke breaker. There's power above every power. So he said he listened to the song and he wept. He wept dropped the you know thing he carried prayed and then went back home and did not kill himself he said he went back home took his things went on a spiritual retreat for a week and he just got back and he needed to send me a message to thank me for releasing that song and that it broke the power of suicidal um suicide and suicidal thoughts <laughs> and look i cried that day because I was so concerned about my own image when God wanted to use the message he gave me to bring deliverance. You know, so I'm sorry to all those who love me and love my music who want it back to back. But like I said, I did not send myself. As God leads, I follow. So yes, there were lots of collaborations, but, you know, God, God needed me to learn very important things before allowing me put out music oh give me a second
personal to me it was god's ministration to me literally i was featured on that album <laughs> god featured me on that album um war through me is my heart cry it is my deepest desire you know and as much as we we desire for god to use us we fail to realize that um want to be in the army you have to go through rigorous training so you know we go for crusades and go for programs and see the mighty move of god and we just want to be that person that god is using to do great and mighty things uh, being a pastor's kid and being exposed to the workings of god through um, mighty men of god and just being in those spaces where there are crusades and programs and all seeing the lame walk seeing the blind see you know hearing the deaf hear and just being in that space of god's limitless power and ability being manifested you just like god i want to be the one doing this send me you know and all that zest and all that um it, it, it has always been my desire, but God used the season um, when I was about to record the Warrior album to show me um, what truly the song he gave me, War, is about. The only reason why I am qualified to be his battle axe is because he is my god and he took me and made me his battle axe and so if you listen to the words of the song it starts by saying the god who's bigger than everything lives inside of me the one who is master over everything has given me authority to bind and lose i'm his battle axe you know so the only reason why anyone can be a warrior or the only reason why our desire to war counts is because we recognize that god is the ultimate power that is being manifested so yes there is the beauty of seeing what what is happening and seeing you know all the miraculous and you know the deliverance and, and you know watching the kingdom of darkness lose its relevance but it, it the most important thing the warrior has to know is that there is a god there is the god who is the power that we manifest um so that song of course was inspired by the holy spirit um i wrote it years i wrote uh, the tune and a bit of the verse years before it um, came into the full form. I wrote two various parts um, in various years, and then it came into a full song in um, 20, 2021. <laughs> yes. So um, it was a journey, and 
I had a picture of it at first, it wasn't clear, you know, and then I got another picture and then, you know, a fuller picture that culminated into the actual song, War. God is very passionate about establishing his kingdom here on earth and he's a king and he has an army and he's so passionate about raising an army and the thing is that the human being, the human beings, <laughs> we human beings, feel that you have to be strong to be part of the army, you know, but that's where we miss it because it is only God who makes and he chooses his army before he makes the army and that's why he will look at the valley of dry bones, literally dry bones, useless, dead, absolutely nothing. Dry bones cannot fight. <laughs> but at the end of that scripture in Ezekiel 37, the Bible says that the, the dry bones became a mighty army. And so while Ezekiel could see dry bones, God could see an army. So it is so much more about who God can make out of a yielded vessel who God can make out of people who would listen to his command over their lives because God spoke through Ezekiel. He said, say as I tell you, say to these dry bones, you know, command the, the winds to blow, you know, and bone came to bone, flesh to flesh and all that. So these dry bones listened to the command of God and responded. So it's not about what you've done where you're coming from, you know, how limited you think you are, God is unlimited and he can make something out of nothing. You know, the earth we're in is proof that God can make something out of nothing. You know, so the Warrior album is not for strong people. Uh, the, the song War is not also referring to strong people is referring to people who know that there is a strong God who can do strong and mighty things through them. <laughs>
is a really great book and the chapter I could relate with or the the chapter that caught my attention I read more than once and the chapter that kept um, getting my attention was uh, the Messiah syndrome and I guess that's because I I could relate to that very well I could relate with that a lot and so yeah the book was God God spoke to me through that book and I'm very happy that that was one of the books that really helped me in this year and I'm thankful to the author that allowed God use her to write that great piece thank you very much everything was straight to the point everything was enlightening yeah everything was enlightening to me I could see deep there there were some statements that that um, got me thinking and I got like uh, deep meanings to them and yeah thank you very much Ma for writing this book may God bless you Bon. Thank you. A big shout out to Mama Joy. I mean, Ma, your book is so amazing. It's really one of the best books I've read this year. And I don't regret reading it in any way. The book is so inspiring. The book is everything. The book showed me a different side of pride. And it was just really amazing. I mean, it made me understand that you you don't have to always be blind to see when you also need help you don't have to you know feel like you can solve all your problems all by yourselves we are created to help each other that's why you're not the only one here on earth you have people around you to help i mean so don't think that you can fix all your problems all by yourself and not need help from people so that's just why i want to say thank you so much ma for putting that book out there i mean I wish a lot of people would also read that book. It's everything. The book is really everything. I'm so grateful to everyone who has read my book, I Died This Year Shipping. And I'm very humbled at the reviews I've gotten concerning the book. It was a huge step of faith for me to write that book because one of the things God had instructed me to do was to begin to write and I never believed that I could write I knew I had words but I never felt they were good enough you know Satan just always lied to me that there's a standard and he brought this perfectionist mentality now I'm not saying that it is not good to be excellent but you know, Satan plagued me with this perfectionist mentality and made me feel like I wasn't perfect enough to be a writer. I had to get to some standard that I really do not even know um, before I could put out any piece. And, you know, also it was tough to be vulnerable on on, on that book. Just literally saying... <laughs> saying out there my weaknesses and how God is teaching me strength in those areas. He gave me the command to write it and 
gave me the strength too. He gave me five days and said, I need you to put this out in five days. I need you to be done with this book in five days. And he gave me the strength to articulate words and, you know, describe my experiences, a few of my experiences. And, and it's such a blessing that what I was afraid to put out has brought so much healing to so many people, the testimonies I've heard you know, from people, the calls I've received, the messages, there's so many, and it is just humbling, and I give all the glory to God, most importantly, that he can use pain and my brokenness to cause other people to be, to receive comfort and to help broken people become whole while he's also healing me and helping me and making me um, holding myself. It is humbling and it is such a blessing. Thank you to everyone who has read the book and I hope that more people can read and learn. And well, there, there are more books coming out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much to these wonderful women who gave your reviews. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I love you. It is my deepest prayer that everyone who reads the book and gets knowledge begin to walk in the understanding of the knowledge gotten because it is one thing to know that there is a, there's a defect. There's another thing for one to act on it. And I must say, we must be patient with ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit working in us because these are deep-rooted um, behaviors and, and characters and mannerisms and, you know, behaviors that we have developed over time. And if we let the Holy Spirit work on us in time, we will outgrow them. <laughs> so... I would say, everyone, be patient with yourself. God is patient with you. But also be consistent and intentional about growing and becoming all that God wants you to become. And uh, sometimes dying is not necessarily complete death. Dying is the pathway to living only if you're dying daily to become like Jesus. A message that I have for ministers. You, you, the question says growing ministers, but to be honest, everybody's growing. Every single minister, no matter how high, <laughs> everyone is growing. Paul had seen the third heaven and afterwards wrote that I may know him. <laughs> so, um, and still said somewhere else, I press on <laughs> to meet the mark. So, there, there's more. God is inexhaustible. So, Everybody's growing. That's that's all I wanted to 
crystallize. However, I would like to say um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share. And um, if there's anything that I've learned, because it, it is only in the way that I've been comforted that I can comfort others, I would say submit to God. It's, you know, people think that submitting to God is just saying, oh, Jesus, come into my life. Um, in words, when you say, Jesus, come into my life, it's not just words. It is asking him to take over. And take, taking over would cause, the, let, me, let me call it, factory reset <laughs> God taking over would mean that every old setting that has been in place that you have been used to that you've been accustomed to would have to be undone trust me settings that you have become comfortable with that you run on cruise control on you know you, you just know that's it's your normal way get ready for God to undo that when you say come into my life he takes total control total control and sometimes we think submission is easy but when you begin to walk with a God who says faith is the substance of things hoped for substance substance of what you hope for evidence of what you do not see <laughs> or have not seen <laughs> ah, it doesn't make any sense to the natural sense when you're being led by that god you would look stupid many times you would look like you do not even know what you're doing but that's because you're using the earthly limited standard for uh, um, uh, you're using that standard in comparison to a divine superior knowledge when God speaks he speaks from a superior point of view when he directs when he instructs it is from a superior point of view and he already is at the end while we are going through the process. God is at the end. He's in the beginning. He's in the middle. He's everywhere. He's outside time. You know, we're the ones who are stuck in time and stuck in this part of existence that is limited. And that's why he wants us to grow to a point where we're submitted to his superior knowledge, which will definitely not make sense to the carnal mind it would definitely not make sense to a limited um wisdom because you you only you only can act based on what you know and if what you know is limited then submit to this superior god who knows all who knows what you do not even know exists <laughs> um it, it seems like a simple admonishment but it is the truth it is deep it is deeper than i'm saying and 
All I, all I want to say is a submitted life, a yielded life, a surrendered life to God, a life that follows God's instruction when it makes sense and when it doesn't is the pathway to a victorious life, is the pathway to the life that God wants us to live that is limitless. It is, it is a state where you would um, become unstoppable, because the only limitation that we have really is our mind. And once you have the mind of Christ, the mind that is submitted totally to God, then you become like God, limitless. That is my two cents. <laughs> I would like to say thank you so much to Minister Yemi Victor for this great opportunity to share with you all. I'm so excited to be on Making Musical Quantum Lips. <laughs> it's been a great time. Thank you again. And I pray that millions and millions and billions of souls would receive light on this platform, I pray that Jesus be glorified, that he continually be lifted up. And as he is lifted up, he will, through this platform, draw men to himself. Thank you again, and God bless you all. <laughs> <laughs>